I'm doing a fireside chat with David Mercer on institutional quality uh, crypto infrastructure. And it's very exciting for me because we actually did a pre-record for this last week, thinking that David wouldn't be able to make it out from London, but he has indeed been able to make it out from London. Mercer, the CEO of Almax Group, to the stage. David and Rachel, take two. <laughs> isn't, this, isn't this better? So much better than, uh, <laughs> than virtually. So let's start sort of from the very beginning. You have had experience on the FX side, and Almax Group started off as a, an FX trading firm exchange, moved to cryptocurrency. When did you personally have your eureka moment on the cryptocurrency as a leg legitimate asset class? Well, I'd love to say it was eight years ago. It wasn't. Um, it was actually the tail end of 2017. And look, someone had presented it to us in 2013, and we were just busy building out our FX exchanges. So we let that slide. And then 2017, some of my biggest trading partners, so to give you an idea, all the world's largest banks, 34 banks are connected to me, all the major proprietary trading firms in the world trade within Almax Group on one of our five exchanges. So the end of 2017, the sort of first crypto summer, they started to knock on the door and said, look, David, we need some institutional grade infrastructure. We need uh, you know, something robust where we can exchange risk inside with like-minded participants. And these are the biggest prop trading firms in New York, Chicago, Amsterdam, and London. So if you like, we said, okay, let, let's have a look at it. So I engaged compliance, risk, technology, set off the uh, R&D guys at the end of 2017 and said, you know, is it feasible? Is it viable? And what we discovered was the trade formation, um, the clearing, the order book was identical to what we do in our five FX exchanges. So I remember to this day, we had a sort of all hands meeting at the end of 2017. The answers had come back positive. I had compliance in the room, risk in the room, liquidity in the room, sales, technology. Are we doing this or not? And everyone said yes. So we went from field to fork, as I like to say, in six months. We launched Elmax Digital, which was the fifth of our exchanges um, at the start of 2018. It's our fastest growing exchange. Um, today we trade $2.5 billion a day in crypto and about 30 billion overall in, in FX. So a little bit late to the party, going back to your question about the, the Eureka moment, but certainly 2017, we knew we had to be in this exciting new asset class. So let's talk a bit further about that from the FX experience that you've had that Almax Group has had, and also the experience on the cryptocurrency side. Are you seeing much convergence between those two asset classes? So the short answer is yes, but um, that would make for a, a pretty short interview. So look, the easiest way to say it is 40% of LMAX digital customers trade another asset class within LMAX group. What does that mean? They trade FX with us. So our biggest five liquidity providers in LMAX digital are in my top 10 FX traders day in, day out. And it was them that sort of 
pushed us to enter the space and to launch LMAX Digital. Because they actually want to trade with each other, but they want to trade with each other on a, um, on a central limit order book. So I think that's just going to extend. You know, why I'm super excited overall for the industry, and certainly for, for us, is that the banks haven't come yet. But, and I knocked on 34 doors, 34 bank doors in 2017, and I said, hey, any interest in this new asset class? And they said, look, keep us informed, but we can't trade it yet. And today, they're not really actively trading it. But roll forward to this crypto summer, 2021 crypto summer, 10 of those banks now take my market data. And three are actively onboarding. I expect them to trade, look, within the next six to 12 months. It all depends on their external and internal approval. So I think there's going to be a convergence of, of customers. And in terms of the technology, in many ways, that's already converged. And what do you think, so you mentioned, you know, 10 of those banks have actually come on board starting to do more in that space. What do you think is holding the institutions back or, or the banks? Is it a, you know, I mean, it, it can't be from lack of client interest, I'm guessing, because there's, there is quite a push. Well, I mean, let's look at that client interest. So we're here, this is primarily a crypto event, and we're all believers in the future of that. But... It's still quite early. It's still quite small. So the total market cap of crypto today is in the region of one and a half to two trillion dollars. Foreign exchange trades seven trillion dollars every day. Gold currently is valued at ten trillion dollars. So so far they've just been exploring it. They haven't had to do it. Now I think they do have to do it because if you talk to any of the large banks around, people are taking money out of their bank account with those household names, and they're putting it, into, uh, putting it to work on some of the crypto platforms out there. So look, the biggest thing really is you need the ABC of crypto, you need adoption, which is market access, you need banking of crypto entities, and you need clearing and credit, right? And credit is the big thing stopping institutions enter the space today. What do I mean by that? They're used to trading multi-asset classes through the same credit intermediary. That's normally a bank or their prime broker. So that's the big hurdle at the moment. And part of credit and clearing is the safekeeping or the custody of assets. And again, typically the biggest custodians in the world are those banks. So it's, that's the real hurdle for, say, a the real money of the asset managers, the funds of the world. The hurdle for the banks is more internal approval, risk approval, and the sort of slightly hazy regulatory framework that's there at the moment. Mm, yeah, we did speak a, a bit about that before on this tension between regulation and, and innovation as well. So what role then are you seeing the institutions play in this transition? You know, you mentioned credit. What else needs to happen and what, what impact do you see that having on your business? Well, I mean, to be clear, and there's a lot of people out there, sort of crypto evangelists, think, you know, this should be peer-to-peer, -peer, this should be all-to-all. -all. And in many ways, I believe in that. And that's the ethos of crypto. But we have to be pragmatic about it, right? And we have to at least in the short term, use existing channels. So 
every efficient market, every efficient capital market needs a robust, solid institutional framework. So if you like, when I entered this space, uh, God help me, I guess, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, people were paying 1% back in the day to buy equities. Now I guess you're going to see that you can buy an equity for free or not, feel free to discuss. Um, but again, so it's, all of that comes down to the framework and the nature of that institutional um, trading environment that's been created that offers greater price discovery, greater market access all the way through the market segments to the private investor. So it's essential that we build that institutional framework. I mean, price discovery is key. So if you come to LMAX Digital today, you're going to see the price in Bitcoin, the price in Ethereum is going to be the price of Bitcoin and the price in Ethereum. Why do I say that? Well, you've got only institutions trading it. You've got 500 institutions trading it. You've got the biggest 20 institutions in the world trading it, making markets. And more importantly, they price every other venue on the street. So they price all the retail environments. So they see the smaller tickets and they exchange bigger tickets on LMAX Digital with like-minded participants. So that bit, that liquidity, that price discovery is essential for this to thrive. And of course, when you then get into the sort of borrowing and lending market or what, you, what the crypto guys are calling yield farming, that starts at institutional level. So I think um, all of those will only help the ecosystem, the overall, the wider ecosystem grow in the next five to 10 years. Mm. But the, the, the lending, that's also the part that I feel is getting the most regulatory sure. sort of view at the moment. So do you think that will be one of the harder? But you know, regulation, yeah, sorry to break in. I, I'm sure it's, um, it's a question mark right now. You know, is it a security, is it not a security? In fact, believe it or not, um, it's been there for 70 years that it's a security that a bank account's effectively a security, but then there's a bank act that says, no, it's okay, you can be regulated as a bank. I think everyone in the ecosystem just needs clarity around the framework. Yeah. I mean, most of, the, most of the institutions in the room, most of the institutions I deal with are heavily regulated, right? I'm heavily regulated. I'm regulated in four jurisdictions as a broker, as an MTF, which is like a, a CEF in the, in the UK. So we just need to know if it's a securities framework, okay, we'll abide by that. If it's a broker framework, we'll abide by that. If it's a banking framework, okay, that's a, that's a heavier lift, but it's also possible. So we just need clarity, and you don't want to get into the situation in crypto that I see in other asset classes like FX, where you have this regulatory arbitrage between regions. So at the moment, I've got to tell you that you know Singapore, and the Asia-Pacific region are very, very crypto-friendly. The US can lead. It can lead in crypto, but it needs to be crypto-friendly, right? And that doesn't mean allow this free-for-all, allow a wild west. Just give the major players a framework they can work to, and then the US can be the leading market for crypto. The risk you have at the moment is that the, the leaders could end up being Asia-Pacific. Yeah, and I think we're really noticing that. I, I must say, 
and obviously I'm biased, but Abu Dhabi has done a really great job in the regulatory framework around crypto. And it has based itself on Singapore and there's really no legacy systems to deal with, right? So we can just go and say, let's have a good, robust crypto framework starting from scratch. So are you seeing that? I know you're opening or have recently opened in Asia. Is that what you see as sort of one of the... Yes, I look, I'm hugely excited by that in that... Um, so we're going to launch our sixth exchange in Singapore. Um, in Q4 this year. For the first time within LMAX Group, you'll see fiat and crypto on the same platform. Fiat and crypto under the same regulation. So the way I see it is a lot of crypto today, what you're seeing as crypto today is basically an on-ramp. So fiat currency is an on-ramp to other investments, right? Why is euro dollar the, you know, the biggest traded currency pair? Well, because a lot of US entities need euros to invest in European companies or even to buy European stocks. Today, Ethereum is the on-ramp to DeFi, right? So you, people are now coming to FX exchanges like LMAX Group and simply they want to get access, wider market access to be it something in Bitcoin or Ethereum or Mexican pesos or dollars or, or euros. So I think that's the future. And the sooner we can get it right, by the way, we're not perfect in the UK, the sooner we can get it right in the UK and get it right in the US, the better it's going to be for the ecosystem and those institutions I'm talking about who will ultimately make this asset class grow and make this asset cl class fly potentially to be bigger than gold within three years. I was just about to ask you for a time frame for that, but you've said within three years, so that's quite punchy. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, Bill Gates, um, you know, said technology never moves as fast in two years as you think, but always further than you think in 20. It's probably going to be the same for crypto. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that you will trade BTC USD as easily as you trade Euro dollar. Uh, or sterling or Mexican peso on LMAX Group today. There's no doubt in my mind that will happen within that three to five year time horizon. It's just going to become de facto. It's going to revolutionize payments, settlement. That's the key for capital markets, right? That's where things normally go wrong. It's going to revolutionize that. And then for the next generation, they're going to expect to trade Bitcoin as easy as they trade euros and dollars today. And if you had to look, I know we, we just have time for one more question. What are you most excited about then in the next kind of two to five years? I know you're working on so many different things across, across the institutional side. What are you most excited about? Look, I think we're just at the very start. I have absolutely no doubt that crypto land will be a multi. I think DeFi is hugely exciting. You know, we've recently become a member of the Pith Network, which I think is going to be the leading oracle. Now, that's amazing, right? You can have all the prices of every asset in the world in one place from an oracle that is Pith. So that's exciting for us, a centralized exchange, to move into this decentralized um, DeFi world. So I think, you know, watch that space. But I think if you're in crypto today and certainly within LMAX Group, you know, today it would be 30% of my revenues and 11% of my volumes. If 
But I expect crypto to get on parity with foreign exchange within the next uh, three years. And as I told you already, you know, FX is a $7 trillion a day market. So those are big aims. Excellent. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure to do this in person. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, David Mercer from Almex Group. Thank you.